But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hello, I'm Jesse Lin. And I'm Angela Lin, and welcome back to another episode of But Where Are You Really From? This week, we have two special guests to help us discuss the amazing things that they are doing to help bring businesses in Chinatown up to the digital floor, digital bar, <laughs> and basically make the businesses survive through this really difficult time. So I uh, welcome Jackie and Harry to join us this week and talk about all these amazing uh, initiatives and work that they're doing on behalf of these Chinatown businesses. And so, technically, they're part of the organization called Welcome to Chinatown, for those yes. that are familiar. Yes. And actually, I found out about you guys, and I was really interested to talk to you guys uh, on our podcast, because I saw an article on Gothamist about how uh, young Chinese people were basically pitching in to help family businesses, like trying to digitize some elements of it so the business could survive all this crazy uh, situation posed by COVID. And I guess since then it's grown, it, it had been pretty big previously and it's just grown even larger now. So would love to hear, you know, just more from you guys about what you guys are doing and, and how you are helping to support these businesses. Well, thanks for having us on. It really means a lot to us. It's really humbling because essentially, I mean, I feel like we just started yesterday. So Welcome to Chinatown was founded essentially with um, our two founders, Jen and Vic. So both of them um, live in Chinatown, um, lived there for about 10 years. And they've just, you know, they're really similar to a lot of us where they would go to the stores, buy their groceries, hang out there, but then really didn't get to know a lot of the people there, especially a lot of the stories from like, you know, people that have been there for generations because they're more of just like, as a younger generation, a lot of us worked in just like corporate spaces. So we didn't really get a lot of chances to interact with the people that much until really when COVID hit last Lunar New Year. And then they realized that like, hey, like they, they realized that with, with this is happening, like this is might be the end of mm -hmm. Chinatown unless we do something about it. Yeah, and then I just want to take a moment to sort of brag and hype up Harry. So he is sort of like the design and creative head of Welcome to Chinatown. Really? Go Harry! <laughs> um, and um, I mean, that's sort of like one of the the reasons like that I reached out and one of like the many things that I saw that I was like, what, what these people are doing is so cool. Um, and so I'm Jackie, by the way, for people listening, hello. <laughs> um, so I am a project manager on the team and I sort of just like help out with any projects we have, um, you know, contacting the businesses and just sort of like being that little bridge between what we're working on and what the businesses need and sort of what their current struggles are. But yeah, and then I, I basically just like DM'd thinking it was this like massive team, you know, on the ground in New York. and. Um, wasn't even sure if they were going to get back to me. And I quickly heard back from one of the founders, Vic, who was like, yes, we'll, we'll like it. We'll take your help. Any Anything you can do to support. I was like, that sounds great. I'll do whatever. Um, and then kind of quickly learned that it was this like, you know, pretty scrappy group of volunteers, a lot of Asian Americans who saw a need, probably were feeling pretty helpless, not knowing really, you know, where to support and obviously feeling this just like 
deeper connection to Chinatown and the people who are um, really struggling. So yeah, that's kind of how, how I got involved. Hey everyone, we love doing this podcast and if you enjoy our episodes, we'd really appreciate if you could support us in any number of ways. First is by subscribing to us, rating us, and reviewing us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. The second is by telling a friend. Third is following us on Instagram at whereareyoufrompod. Fourth is buying our merch on our website. And fifth is by joining our Patreon community. And you can find more about all of this by looking at our link in bio at our Instagram. Again, the handle is at whereareyoufrompod. Thank you. Circling back because we... We actually usually ask our guests uh, like the same question every time, which is essentially our podcast name, um, because <laughs> it's something, you know, we as Asian Americans get asked all our lives and like usually not with the greatest intentions. So we like to ask it because it's kind of your way to take it back and, you know, answer it the way you would actually want to represent yourself and i'm curious if your answer has anything to do with like you what you know drew you to want to work with an organization that is dedicated to <laughs> saving our community essentially so where are you both really from um First of all, whenever I get this question, I always wish I could have like a like a clap back or like a yes. really response. <laughs> I, I, I need to like remember a line that's like boom, like now you feel bad. But I unfortunately don't have an answer like that. I think I usually just like mumble something awkward. Um, and I think I think part of it is like I don't want to give them the satisfaction of being like, oh, my parents are from China. I don't want to say that, even though that's like totally part of my story. You know, that's like. I think that's part of who I am. I just don't want to give them the satisfaction of saying that. So I kind of work around that. Um, but, you know, I was born here. I grew up here. Um, I was born in New, well, I was born in Maryland, but I basically from like age 1.5 on was in New Jersey <laughs> <laughs> and had a pretty, I think, like standard suburban upbringing. I was in like a predominantly white, but like, I think our, our town probably when I graduated was close to like 20% Asian. So sort of somewhat balanced in a way. Um, and then I, I went to school in New York and that's sort of where I've been mostly for the past, um, I guess like seven years but by now. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's hard cause I wanna be like, I'm from New York. I wanna say I'm from New Jersey. And then I also think, you know, the part of the person who like went to China every summer and who has like immigrant parents, it's totally part of who I am too. So. I mean, like, I also really am from China. I just don't want to say that to, like, you know, the the white guy who stops me yes. in the grocery store. Oh, no. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure you guys – it's, like, a very conflicting question. I, I have a friend who is, like, also she's Korean-American, and she's really good at just being, like, whenever people come at me, <laughs> I definitely need to learn to be more like that. Amazing. <laughs> what about you, Harry? Oh, my – Oh my god, Jackie, you, you took, you, basically I have the same, <laughs> like, kind of, like, ch like, chain of thoughts every single time someone asks me that, and I'll be like, um, what? I don't know, I'm from here, but, like, exactly, yeah. I wish I had a really nice clap back, but I grew up, I was born in Richmond, Virginia, and then uh, my mom's family was all in 66, so I would go Ooh, back hey. and forth. So, mm. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
honorary pod. <laughs> so that was my version of going back to the motherland. Oh my gosh. Amazing. On That's annual so basis, which is the funniest crap I've like I've tried to tell people. I remember when I was in grade school in Virginia. And then all my white friends would be like, oh, my God, you get to go to L.A. every year. Like, you get to go to, like, Hollywood. I'm like, <laughs> no. I'm just like, we're just, you know, chilling in the valley. <laughs> like, not, like I, I vividly remember that, like, I would have to, like, make up stories for, like, my white friends because it would be like, oh, my God, it must be so glamorous there. And, like, you must have seen a celebrity. I'm like, no. Like, I'm like, I live in my grandma's house and, like, we take the bus and we like bust it into Chinatown, LA, and then like just like you know, like we just like hang out and like just just like be ourselves. But yeah, I totally get it. Like you know, I moved to New York City after a few moves around like to to OC, and then I lived in DC for a little bit in Baltimore. So like, yeah, I totally get that. I like I wish I had a clap back. First of all, Harry, we're from Irvine, so holla. We get that 66. Yeah, neighbors. <laughs> but um, you brought up an interesting point that I wanted to talk about with your work with Welcome to Chinatown, which is that you don't speak Mandarin. So, you know, how has the organization navigated working with these businesses when with the language barrier, I guess? Yeah, I mean, like for me, so, um, so the design team, we make all the merch for our small businesses that we represent that want to collaborate with us. And that's, I've, I have to talk through it in the design process. So like, I'm like thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, how do I talk design speak, but in Cantonese, <laughs> I don't know the vocabulary as well. So it's, I think when it comes down to it, when people realize that like how earnest your, your intentions are, that just comes through very well. Like, yes, there will be language barriers of like, you know, vocabulary, like just very basic things of just like, there's little details they, we just can't translate back to them. Um, but I think when it comes down to like the holistic picture, they, they do understand like, oh, these are just a bunch of people that just want to help. And I think that that comes off like very true. And that's also true with like all the other organizations that it also popped up in Chinatown. Like most of us, like we were very lucky that we have a few translators I think one of them's actually an aunt. <laughs> Someone's yes. aunt. They're like, they're like, hey, what's up? Like Ali's aunt, can oh you translate God. this for us? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's part of it. But no, I think um they the businesses are actually are really willing to work through our language barriers because they know that they see the work that we put into. And also I think funny enough, like um a a Chinese um news outlet called world journal has picked us up occasionally so wait, like wait, wait. when they see you it mean on that... that is the shit my mom made me go into the bakery every week and oh pay a quarter God. for my whole childhood it's still, it's that's still huge there that's there. like a big one for the chinese community yeah so they so i think with that and then also um me and vic got hit up it's actually really embarrassing by TVB to do to be part of a special and like we were like asked to speak in Cantonese and we we're just like oh no <laughs> we're like we don't know the right vocabulary but I think those are some of the, the kind of like the PR things that also solidified that like they understand our message because there is other organizations that are translating for us. Mm. 
cool. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, we have some like awesome translators. I think a lot of the people yes. in the group are, are sort of like Harry and I, who like can definitely speak a little bit of whatever language um, our parents spoke, but definitely not enough to like convey what the initiative is. Um, yeah. So we have an amazing team of translators. One of our um, volunteers, Hongan, he's also like part translator, but also sort of like takes what we're doing and puts it on WeChat, which, you know, just mm. reaches like a whole new audience. Yeah. You know, Instagram has been great for sort of like a specific audience here. And then that's just like a, um, a whole new beast. But um, something else that I've sort of learned in just like our work with the, the different business owners is that, I mean, number one thing we're doing is listening, right? We're not really just like presenting them a prescription of like, hello, here's how we think you should fix your business. Something I want to talk about, because I think all of us on this call have a connection to New York in some way. Like I don't currently live there, but I live there for seven years. Now I'm like, how many years? Seven years um, <laughs> before I left. So I, I definitely have, you know, a kinship to it. But I feel like there is a bigger thing attached to the movement that you guys are part of, even for people that aren't from New York or have never been to New York. Like I I read something that like, well, Aquafina is for sure, you know, New York born and raised. She has strong pride for Queens and all that. But I read an article about how she donated to your organization and, and other organizations at kind of like the peak of um, the anti-Asian racism during COVID. And I read that article and thinking like, this is so interesting because this, you know, helping your organization and other organizations like it are is like a tangible way. I think you said this at the top, too, but like a tangible way for people to feel like there is a solid thing they can do to combat the shittiness that's, you know, happening to our community during this time. And like I um, in doing some research ahead of our call with you today, I was re reminded of that horrible incident of that like nine year old grandma who got lit on fire, you know, for by a stranger walking by her. And there are so many incidents like that that happen during this time and like continue to happen, I'm sure, that are unreported. And I immediately was like, okay, I'm going to donate a bunch of money to you guys right now because I felt like, oh, this is something I can do to, you know, feel like. I'm helping in some way, even if it's more symbolic, because I'm not in New York and I, you know, I can't like patron these restaurants or anything, but I am trying to give back. And I feel like people can resonate with that, even if they're not in New York. Have you had like people reach out to you that are outside New York or don't even have affiliation to it and they're just like connected to it in that way? On a, on like a backend side, so like we, so with our store, we run it through an e-commerce platform. So we actually see where mm. all the things are getting shipped. So there's place, there's, there's a bunch of people that are just like in middle America, just like living their life there. <laughs> and they, they still are buying all this merchandise that we're selling. And I think it's exactly what you said. And so it's just like, oh, like I can't, I can't go to this restaurant and like buy a meal there, but like I can buy a piece of merchandise that I know that represents them. And then I can rep them when I go, you know, grocery shopping, socially distanced. And then I also know the money's going back to them. Yeah. And I wanted to circle back to what you said, Angela. And I, I just want to say that like your donation is like not symbolic at all. Like it's these donations that really like took our organization to like what it is now. It's all of these people from all over the country kind of feeling some kind kind of connection to these stories they're hearing, um, whether they're Asian American or not. And like, that's how we've been able to really help these businesses. 
you know, even in the beginning of probably around March when people were sort of going back home or leaving New York, um, even if temporarily, I think a lot of the stuff that we were, um, you know, our Made in Chinatown merch, people sort of felt that it was like a connection back to New York, I think. So we had a lot of people messaging me being like, oh my God, I used to go here like five years ago when I lived in New York. Like Jingfong is my favorite place ever. <laughs> like I, I'm so excited to like wrap this in wh wherever they've moved on to. Um, and I think it's like, I mean, that's another reason why it's so important to like keep Chinatown open forever is that these places have like such an important place in people's hearts and people's like experiences in New York City. I think it's like, I mean, Chinatown is just like such quintessential New York City, right? It's mm -hmm. like one of the key things you think first. Part of the reason that I think people visit and why people love living here is that you, you, turn, the, you turn the page on the book and you find something new. And even in the same neighborhoods that you're in, let's say Chinatown, like stuff is changing all the time. So you turn the page again and it's something different. So I feel like preserving these businesses is basically like paramount to saving what makes New York special, which is that mm -hmm. you walk out the door and you never know what you're going to find. And that's part of the magic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Like, um, so when I was growing up in Virginia, everywhere we went, we only saw <laughs> it. Was, I wish like it, it was hilarious. Like, so, so we would go up and down the East Coast. So we went to Philadelphia, DC, and then like Manhattan. And then we also went to Flushing. And then one time we went to Boston. And then every single time we stopped was in Chinatown. <laughs> and that was it. Like, we never would go outside of Chinatown. It was always there. Like, the hotel was there. And then like, my dad would have a friendly friend there. So it's just like, we never... We never left the bubble. And then when I was in LA, I was like in LA Chinatown <laughs> or in Monterey Park. So it's like I never left the bubble. It was really funny. But no, I agree. Like um when I was in when I was living in OC um for a year when I started a different job there, I realized that like, you know, there are like unfortunately, like there there is a community of small businesses there that make it so lively. But like, you know, when you're living in suburbia you are going to big box stores. You're going to like, you know, the Walmarts, the Targets, the Home Depots, CVSs. We all go to these places. But then when you live in Manhattan or you live in a metropolitan city, like you get this opportunity to like go to these small little shops and like they have like a different variety of things. They like everything they choose is with so much intention and it's not based on any type of metric or any type of like number that they crunched out. Maybe it is in the, in the later years, but like really they choose it because they're like, oh, I know this is good quality. And like, I would give this to my family. So I'm going to sell it out. Like I live in the Upper West Side and we, because of the pandemic, like, you know, we don't, we actually don't go to Trader Joe's anymore because like low key, the Trader Joe's here is like a cesspool of COVID. <laughs> so we actually go to this cute little grocery, Italian grocery store <laughs> and we gotten to know the, this family and they're so cute. They bicker with each other. There's a cat named Oliver, but then also they sell these really specific Italian um, like ingredients. Like they have this like certain type of like tomato sauce that like I had no I had no idea what it was, and they'll tell me how to cook it. And they're like, sometimes the mom will come and she's like, buy this artichoke and chop it in half and do this with it, and then this is what I would eat for dinner tonight. I was like, what? You're so cute. And this is happening, and also like in like small businesses in Chinatown too. Like every time I go into like the Vietnamese grocery store like I'll ask them like so I'm um Chinese Vietnamese and then I'll ask them like hey how do you make like you know like Mei Wang or something and then like she'll be like oh 
like get this brand because like I like this one and then get this thing because I eat this one. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Where you just don't get that type of camaraderie and that type of like community when you're like at a Target or like at a Walmart, um, maybe in Trader Joe's, but like, you know, definitely not in the yeah. Target. Well, it's also like where your money goes, right? I feel like when you shop at Target, I, I don't even know the like levels um, that our money goes to before it gets to like the end maker or the owner, you know? And with this, you kind of feel like at least maybe there's still a few more loopholes that the money goes through, but it's like far less And that. I always feel better being like, okay, well, I'm not supporting. I don't even know what I'm supporting when I'm at CVS, you know? <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. One question that I want to make sure we cover off of because Jesse mentioned it at the beginning is like the digitization of Chinatown as part of what you guys do, right? Like barely scratching the surface, but one of the things. Because one thing that I always think of went from thinking back on my time in Chinatown, it's like, okay, I better hit the ATM first because like, <laughs> everything's cash-based. Or like there's like one spot that takes credit card. So um, how's that going? And will I be able to Venmo people the next time I go to Chinatown? Ooh, well, actually, I think not even from us, like not from the powers of us, um, it's happening organically. Chinatown businesses are getting onto delivery platforms. They are going onto Venmo. They're selling online. So just organically without the powers of us or us adjusting us, like it's already happening. I think the one thing that we realized that um, in the beginning is that, so just, um, Jackie actually said it, like what we do, one of our core pillars is that like we listen first before we like, you know, blur out a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff. And actually one of the things was just like, you know, at that point in their life during COVID, they can't mentally have the bandwidth to be like, okay, let me figure out a POS system and figure out how to do, how to onboard a credit card machine, how to get internet. So actually we, we just, we open up the idea, we open up the conversation, we tell them like, oh, these are possibilities for you, but like, we're not going to push on you. That being said, like now, like a year later, there is a lot more credit cards, which I personally <laughs> like. There's actually, and then my favorite tea shop, Sun's Organic Art, she does Venmo now because mm -hmm. she sells on Instagram. I love it. <laughs> I know. So it is, it is progressing. And I think it's more of just like letting them take it at their own pace, but also like still presenting the idea and then letting them know that it is a viable idea. Because most of it is like, I think a lot of us suffer from this, this too, is that like, if we're just kind of like talking about ideas in our own circle or just internally we don't know if it's right or wrong or we don't know we should do it because we're like well no one else said us said to do it so it might be wrong it might be a bad investment but you know if there's other people kind of suggesting hey this might be a consideration you know it'll push them over a little bit and you're like oh maybe we'll do it but i have heard like I don't know too much about credit card systems, but like, you know, if you don't make a certain, like an X number of sales or a certain percentage of sales, like you end up losing mm -hmm. money. So like that's, that's their fear is that like, if there's not enough foot traffic, there's no point of a credit card system because then they end up losing any money, even if they make $0 that day. Yeah. I think like the notion that, you know, these old Chinatown businesses wouldn't have been able to like, modernize and digitize and get on social media without the help of like young first gen kids. I think that's like totally false. I mean, mm -hmm. when we look around, I just like look at how scrappy these businesses have gotten yeah. and you know, they, they do what it, what it takes, right. Whether it's like physically building an outdoor dining thing, because you don't have like 
American Express backed, you know, gorgeous outdoor bodegas or whatever, <laughs> bungalows, I think like they, they make it work, you know, they're out there, they're like building these things. And um, if it means like they need to get on these delivery apps that are, you know, a whole other topic, like sucking money from them. But if that's what it takes, like they're, they're doing these things and we're sort of here to like help them navigate that and help them sort of figure out which ones are maybe, you know, a better solution than others. Um, but I do think like another like very hopeful thing is that these businesses are not just like, okay, well, we're, we just have to close now. They're like grabbing at whatever they can to stay alive mm. and stay afloat through this and hopefully, you know, see the other side. Jackie, you mentioned a really good point that I was just thinking of when you were when you were talking, which is that a lot of the articles that are coming out, out around this make it kind of sound like the younger generation is coming in as like a savior and they're like helping out these fuddy-duddy old people who don't know what they're yeah. doing. But it's probably not the case, right? They've been around for a while. So I, I would be curious to learn from the both of you, like have you learned something from working with these business owners? I mean, just like the the overhead costs and what it takes to run a business and a restaurant in general has just been like such a shock to me. I mean, I've sort of like worked in the food world for a bit and had a general understanding that it was difficult, but just knowing like, I think in the beginning when I was speaking to a lot of these businesses, kind of just um, taking their temp and seeing like what the struggles were, everyone was like, well, we're just putting out fires. Like we're not even looking ahead. Like it's so hard. Everything is sort of like, <clears throat> like day by day, month by month. And it's, I think that has been a huge learning. Um, but you're so right. I mean, like this summer we were putting together this socially distanced food crawl event. Um, it was sort of our first like public facing event. Um, and we were really concerned. We wanted to make sure like every single thing was perfect, both from like a COVID standpoint, making sure the businesses were prepared. So we had like thought of every possible thing that could go wrong and written it out and like had this huge outline to present to these businesses. And they were like, oh, we've served like a lot of people before. Don't worry, we got this. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, you're right. You definitely know more about this than I do. So I think if anything, it's like we're learning the same amount from each other, you know, and just sort of like trading notes and creating these events from those, from what comes out of that, those conversations. And what about you, Harry? I mean, I kind of think this Jackie, like just getting to know well, first of all, I think like a lot of the history in Chinatown that I just didn't know about. And then also just like like, so currently I'm working with Jing Pong to actually, outside of Welcome to Chinatown, to like work with them to um, make the outdoor dining setup. And part of it, I get the opportunity to go through their kitchen. <laughs> oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> and then like they had walks of the size of like, I don't even know how big they were, like essentially like bigger than a car tire. Oh and you wow. don't realize why like, you know, as like a consumer of just like, hey, like, you know, I can um, buy a few dim sum dishes here and there, and then that can help them. But it's like, oh, no, it's like they have separate kitchens for different types of cooking. And then you have different chefs doing different things. And then you can't really turn off one kitchen or not because that eliminates a whole food group. So it's like things like that, like you don't you end up learning about. And then, you know, right now I'm also learning about like I asked them like, where are these chefs come from? They're like, oh, like they came with like, you know, the previous generation of immigration. And then now we're worried because there might not be a next generation to take on the same skills. 
Okay, well, sounds like you're learning a lot about how to run businesses on your own. Yeah, That's I know, but the end of it, we're going to be consulting with people like this. I open a Chinatown <laughs> restaurant. Like, you got to get A, B, and C. You got to get the giant oh, walk. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, so I think we're coming up around kind of like closing, but I want to make sure that we let the listeners know how they can support whether they're in new york or not in new york how can they support what you guys are doing yes we have so many things going on um so first you can follow us on instagram which is welcome period to period chinatown welcome to chinatown um you can also find us on our website which is welcome to chinatown.com um if if you have the means to feel free to donate honestly every dollar does help us like you know it helps us fund for our longevity fund which is our small business grants ever uh, that we're working towards of like um getting five thousand dollar grants to small businesses we're working on a uh business accelerator which is um working with the a different pool of small businesses in chinatown and figure out like where can we bring in our expertise to kind of like help them like up their mm -hmm. game um, you can buy our merch, made in Chinatown, ny.com. We're going to do a big drop for Lunar Ooh. New Year. Hey, so if you want to rep us, so yeah, really honestly, if you find us on Instagram, um, you'll get all the news. You can sign up for our newsletter, which is a more like formal way of like reading <laughs> about us if you would like to. Um, and then also if anyone wants to volunteer with us or just like wants to just like contribute in a different way we've had a lot of illustrators and designers just being like hey like I would love to donate some time to just like draw a few things and you can use it to you know sell merch or That's something awesome. so we have a lot of ways to kind of like contribute if it's not monetary you can just restory us you can just kind of tell your friends about it or you can buy merch from us it's really anything you decide yeah, I think um, Harry touched upon our like sort of the donations if, if you're able to. Um, we have a longevity fund, which is sort of our own like small business grant program. So something we learned very early on was that um, like small family owned Chinatown businesses were basically being overlooked for any kind of grant or any kind of loan. Um, some of it is like, you know, whether they don't really have the means or the capacity to like show how much they're really struggling. And mm -hmm. a lot of that is sort of this like cash based business as well. So um, we sort of wanted to build a way to take all these donations and, you know, create just like a small little lifeline for these businesses to cover some overhead costs. Um, so all that money goes to these businesses and keeping them alive. And then I think for like all grassroots movements, like just sharing the story is so huge. Um, even as simple as like, you see a really cool story about a business owner on Instagram, you tap that share button and then, you know, someone else learns about it and then keeps going. We always like to end our podcast on a sweet treat. So we're going to enter our fortune cookie closing segment. And what we wanted to ask both of you, you, you guys have already talked about a few different stores, but individually, what would you say is your favorite mom and pop Asian business? Definitely for sure. Fong On is like um, one of my favorite, like, when I'm looking for a sweet treat, but I don't exactly know what I want. I feel like that's kind of hits the spot. I feel like Asian desserts are not, are always the like, like perfect amount of sugar and perfect <laughs> amount of sweetness. And they yeah. do that with like tofu and with rice cake. So mm. that's one of my three ch favorite children. Um, 
And then Feda, I know that's kind of a boring answer, but like every time I'm back in New York, I feel like I go there for a sesame ball as sort of my like, I'm finally back here and I can get like a great Asian baked good. I'm going to toss it to Harry as I think of my third. (laughs) (laughs) You inspired me a bit. Yeah. So good. Um, One of them is Double Crispy Bakery. They're famously known for their Portuguese Mm. egg tarts. Egg tarts. Um, But they also have this very decadent, elaborate mango cake. (laughs) Beautiful. So love them. They're so cute. Like every single time they go in there, they always suggest like a new thing that they're trying. Um, There's another store called Grand Tea Imports. They sell like kind of spiritual items. Um, A lot of aged teas that are amazing they like are aged for like 20 years and they find it in some cave and i don't really (laughs) understand how they find it they tell me stories i'm like i don't really believe you but okay (laughs) and then um their mom and dad are so cute every time i come in there they always show off this cute little trinket they've like sourced from asia they're like look at this thing and i'll end up like caving and now i have like a million trinkets um then the last place i don't know Jackie, do you have a third place? Yes, I'll save you. No. Don't worry. <laughs> um, this My third place is, is definitely one of the newer ones. They actually opened like the spring. So um, they're called Public Village. It's like a Sichuan like noodle snacky place. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were part of one of our food crawls and they do this like amazing, crispy, spicy lotus root dish. Um, but Ooh, I that's good. like the food is amazing. The, it's spicy and delicious. But I also think the fact that they like opened and persevered through like a pandemic is just a testament to like their their drive and food's delicious. So you know, it makes sense why they're still around. Okay, my, I, I know my last one now. <laughs> what a test! <laughs> um, my last, I know, I know. My my last one is um, Wing on Woe and mm. Co. They're this amazing shop on Mott Street. Um, they're like right now in their third generation they've been there for a hundred years like the oldest shop in Chinatown so they trans they've like shifted from general store to like for a while they had a like a herbalist counter and now they primarily do porcelain and the third generation May Lum she also runs a like artist residency out of her storefront too and they do a lot of um community activism but a lot of the work they sell is beautiful they sell things that are from like generations ago but then also they source new asian american ceramic artists and then have their work right next to like something we would have like you know from our grandparents so she does a really great job of creating both like what we see as like familiar and part of her like kind of cultural identity and then like blending it with like what is our new identity and thinking about like how can we kind of progress from this well thank you for joining us i think we learned a lot from this conversation and um just thank you for the work that you're doing because it's so important not just to chinatown but as we said to the broader community so thank you thank you guys for having us and for you know telling the story and having this awesome podcast, honestly, and kind of amplifying these voices that need to be heard. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying. Thank you. (laughs) Amazing. 
All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us and our guests. If you have any feedback for us, or if you have more questions about how you can support our friends here, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram. You can DM us, or you can email us at telluswhereyou'refrom at gmail.com. And reminder that we're still looking for listener story submissions. So write us in about whatever experience with this topic you have. Um, and until next time. Bye, Bye Jim. 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 Jim.